Welcome to another edition of Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiago Prem Singh. First off, I want to thank our sponsors. Thank you, Seed Apparel, for being a sponsor of the show for quite some time. Seed Apparel makes hemp pants grown in Canada, sustainably grown and environmentally responsible company. The pants are great for your active lifestyle. So thanks again, Seed, for supporting us. Check out I Am Seed on Instagram or head over to theseedstore.ca to get yourself a pair of these super sweet pants. Also want to say thank you to our other sponsor, Minds Dye. Minds Dye does custom dyeing of fabrics. A lot of the Destars or turbans that I wear are made by her. Um, she makes custom bed sheets, kimonos, you name it. If you need it dyed, she does amazing, amazing work. It's all unique. Every piece is original and unique and handmade. So check out Minds Dye. You can find them on Instagram at Minds Dye. That's mind like your thinking mind and D-Y-E like to dye fabric. You can also find them on the Etsy store as Minds Dye and get yourself whatever you might need uh, dyed. And she's amazing to work with, a very thoughtful and caring person. She's also uh, related to our dear brother Dave Jeet Singh. Uh, some of y'all may know him. Uh, beautiful brother and they live out in Alberta in Canada as well same as seed so give thanks for our sponsors this week on the show we're going to talk about guru or some people will say guru but we're gonna say guru right guru guru it has all sorts of different meanings and definitions for people and I thought it would be a great opportunity to explore what guru is and you probably have your own understanding or definition of what this term is. When you hear the word guru, people often think on a very surface-based level, somebody who is an expert at something. So you hear people say, you know, uh, yoga guru, they're an expert at yoga. Or from a Western context, there's people who say like, a tech guru or a um, golf guru. Do they say that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just putting that one out there. But it's a very simple, simplified version of the term. And what really, I think, when somebody's referring to these um, individuals who are playing a certain role where they have some expertise, you're viewing the term guru as somebody who uh, maybe is a teacher or somebody who has knowledge around a certain subject. Um, and then if you get a little more spiritual in the use of the word, you may mean somebody who is aware of the secrets of the universe or who, you know, gives good advice. Um, and then there's the other side of that guru taking form. And that guru taking form, uh, we've seen manipulation. We've seen people uh, held on pedestals by other people. And we've seen, you know, quite frankly, violence come out of that, sexual misconduct, um, lying, all of these things. We also, I, I mean, I've met many people and in my travels and often people from India who, and Westerners, I have friends in Washington who have a guru who is living in form and they haven't experienced that negativity. So it's a pretty 
even just dealing on the surface, it's a pretty unique to the individual term. And I really wanted to explore that today because I think a broader view of what Guru is will give us a broader view of who we are. And will also um, bring about some compassion and some deeper understanding that, you know, your unique way of understanding Guru uh, is valid, whether it's positive or negative, and the term is incredibly vast. You know, it's, it is not as simple as somebody who knows some things. It's not as simple as it's one person. That's too simplified. It may be embodied as that in certain situations or circumstances. That's definitely true, uh, but not necessarily. And not everybody may be called in this life to uh, understand guru, guru in form. And that's valid. That's unique to your journey. And some may experience Guru in form and it will be incredibly beneficial. So just to start from a place of let's try and cover all the bases. I'm going to have a little bit of tea here. Those of you who are watching live on Instagram, you know that uh, I've been drinking tea while I do the sessions as of late. And if you want to catch the podcast live, I film on Wednesday mornings. So on my Instagram, Tiago Prem Singh. I also release the video version of the podcast every Thursday on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Tiago Prem Singh. And then the audio version of the podcast comes out on Fridays, wherever you listen to podcasts. So uh, that could be Apple Music, Google Play, Amazon, um, Spotify, wherever you listen to uh, podcasts. So the, that episode, the episodes on audio come out on Fridays. And if you love what we do with the show, uh, if you love the content, please share us with your friends, please rate us, review us, uh, so we can reach more people with this content. Uh, so here we are talking about Guru. So I think, where do we start with this? I guess I could speak from my own experience. I love to teach from that place and then hopefully share some uh, light on the bigger picture as we explore it. My experience with Guru is um, I understood Guru to be like I just explained at the start of the show to be uh, a teacher or somebody that knows a lot about something. And my experience with Guru was, you know, sitting at the feet of someone in the yoga realm, generally uh, connected to Hatha Yoga or the physical postures, who was uh, quite adept at uh, whether it is doing postures or once upon a time before their body got older and stiffer, were able to do very proficient and efficient, you know, strong and flexible movements in the body. 
Um, and some of them had knowledge of uh, the Vedas or uh, scriptures from the Hindu tradition, that sort of thing. And some of the some of them, you you know, you would touch the Guru's feet or bring them flowers. Others didn't really care for that that much. Some of them were very humble and kind, and I didn't experience any strangeness with them. Others, uh, later on in life, it came to light that they were behaving inappropriately and abusing their power to manipulate other people. And that's been my experience with Guru. Um, I had a relationship with a, I had a relationship with a Guru. I'm just gonna adjust the camera here. <clears throat> Um, I had a relationship with a guru who was, uh, who, he's still alive, he's in his 80s, and um, he is one of the first yoga asana teachers in New York, uh, New York City. He's a very kind and humble man named Sri Dharma Mitra. I have never experienced any, you know, abuse of power or uh, anything like that with Dharma. And I had read, some of you know this, but I had read the book by Bhagavan Das, It's Here Now Are You, as a teenager and was really, you know, enamored with Ram Das and Bhagavan Das and, and their love for Neem Karoli Baba, their, their guru, their teacher. And I, you know, I really felt like someday I would like to have a guru and have that kind of loving relationship. And and primarily, I think it was because I saw it as that was part of the path to liberation from the pain and suffering that I was experiencing in my life, um, you know, as a teenage runaway and as somebody who struggled a lot with addiction and, and that sort of thing. I saw yoga and experienced yoga as a liberation or a lightening of the load of my daily uh, pain and suffering. And so when I met Sri Dharma Mitra, I thought, this is my guru. This is my teacher. And so I spent some time, uh, quite a bit of time with him and training with him and learning from him. And I received a spiritual name from him. And I explored that um, as best I could at the time. I was still struggling with uh, alcoholism and all of the things that come along with alcoholism. Um, you know, telling lies and um, just, just being kind of a half-rate version of myself. And, you know, I, I can laugh about it now, but at the time it wasn't funny, to be honest. And so, you know, I learned a lot from from him um, about get finding freedom in my body and also being with him opened me up to new ideas when it came to spirituality but I never felt that sort of this is my one and only that you know you sort of felt from the way some people speak about guru or their their teacher that they serve and so I kept exploring and then uh, years later I uh, found myself sober uh, by the grace of the Guru and we can explore what that means a little bit today. 
But I found myself finally, for the first time in my life, after years of struggle, I found myself able to be clear. Uh, not needing to reach for a bottle, not needing to get high or get out, go out and get trashed to manage, manage stress. I still had problems and challenges and all of those things, but I found some freedom and I found that freedom in the form of another guru. And that guru was in the, the teachings of the Sikhs, in the uh, sounds of the Sikh tradition. Um, and then in that guru, I, you notice that it still has a form in a sense. I'm learning these things from a book, uh, Guru Granth Sahib. I'm learning it from teachers and community. Uh, and so there's that aspect of it. I also was practicing Kundalini Yoga, and as many of it you know, people uh, within that tradition held, upheld Yogi Bhajan as some form of Guru. And the interesting thing for me is because I had seen other Gurus fall before, I, I sort of like looked at him as a, you know, a means to get to this other Guru through the Sikh tradition. And I really like worked hard to do a good job a as a Sikh and to be recognized by people and to, you know, isn't he doing a great job? And, and in some ways that would take over the devotional side. Don't, you know, let's not get it twisted here. There were great moments of devotion. That's what kept me going. But I would lose sight and I would become fixated on the form again. Like, what does it look like? Does it look good? Am I doing a good job? Do I know the language? Do I, you know, and it comes from a pure place, but as we know from our studies in these podcasts, every blessing has a challenge and every challenge has a blessing. So, you know, for the intention to be, I really want to honor this tradition. I want to learn the language. I want to, you know, look the part, um, very surface based. And that's being driven by uh, a pure or innocent intention. Um, but also just getting hung up in that, it becomes quite shallow. And so is that a relationship with Guru? Interesting question. Now, after passing through the challenges that we faced since March of having to close our studio and and having to pivot and learn to do some things online and the deaths of a couple of friends and the Yogi Bhajan scandal and all of the different aspects of pain and suffering that I've experienced, um, I find myself letting go a little more of the form, but recognizing that the letting go of the form is not letting go of the structure. Does that make sense? And maybe it's not even letting go of the form. Maybe it's a deeper understanding that the Guru is not limited to form. Aha. Now, on the other side of that conversation, you hear people saying, you know, often uh, spiritual teachers who don't consider themselves to be religious by any means, saying, you don't need a Guru. You don't need, you are the guru. Um, and these are true statements, relatively speaking. <laughs> and what do I mean by that? What I mean is I have experienced what it means to not 
need to rely on the idea of Guru as something that is in someone exclusively. It is only in this form. It is the one and only Sadhguru. It is the one and only Jesus. It is the one and only Guru Nanak. It is the one and only... Do you need that? No, you don't necessarily need that. But in my experience, I have learned a lot by going through the form to experience the form. Same with yoga. You know, do you need to learn to stand on your head? Not necessarily. Is that who you are? No. But are there some people who are going to have a deep experience of who they are through standing on their head? I've found that to be true. Are there people who are going to lean so much into the form that, that they forget about the formless, about the devotion, about the love, and that worship of the form, or what we'll call idolatry, and it's not about, you know, you shouldn't find reverence for something in form. It means exclusive reverence in form. It is this and only this, and everything else is lower. Not good. Is that, is that coming through clear? So if you don't, that in that case, you don't need that. But there's a process involved in understanding that. And yes, you are your own guru, but if, if I took the mentality in my own personal journey and said, you know, oh, I am the guru and I am the teacher, when I was really struggling with addiction, and someone said, just follow what your inner guide tells you to do, I wasn't in a place where I could really listen to that inner guide, and so I was listening to my karma or to my programming, and so that teaching wouldn't have landed at the time. That's the relative part that I'm speaking on. So, does Guru have form? Yes. Is it exclusively only in one form? No. It is not limited to that. So now we go, okay, so if it's not limited exclusively to one form, but it can be in form, then what is Guru? And this is where I, this is where it starts to get juicy for me personally. So we call in the Sikh tradition that Guru in form Sargun, or it has a form. And often like I have Guru Nanak tattooed on my wrist, that's Guru in form. I've learned so much from Guru Nanak. I found great peace and liberation from learning from Guru Nanak. But do I sit with Guru Nanak in form every day? Well, in a sense I do, like I look, you know, in the Guru Granth Sahib, in the scriptures, but I don't sit with the man. And it's not even so much that, uh, uh, as you've heard in previous episodes, it's not even so much about who Guru Nanak is, it's about what Guru Nanak is. And this is where we'll start to explain it, because my understanding of these concepts have come through listening to the Buddha, listening to Jesus, listening to Guru Nanak, listening to uh, the 13 grandmothers, listening to Julia Butterfly Hill. It's, I've experienced it in many forms. So what is uh, the... And some of these forms are saying, you don't need a guru. And part of me goes, 
but I have a guru, I, and I'm thankful for my guru. I would not be who I am if it wasn't for Guru Granth Sahib Ji and for the Sangit and everything that I've learned from Sikhi. But that's a surface-based response. If I really drop down into it, my awareness while someone's saying, you don't need a guru, you are the guru, and I really go beyond the surface-based intellectual understanding of what they're saying, and I drop into my being, I can see, yeah, that's true. I am connected to that oneness that is everywhere at once, that some of the forms that have been great teachers to me in my life had access to. We both have access to it. We all have access to it. And when you have that understanding, their statement is true. My statement is also true. We can get along and find common ground because we're saying the same thing in different language. Making sense? So what is Guru? Guru is the enlightenment principle. That's what I like to call it. It's the part, it is the intelligence that is guiding us home, that is waking us up to who we are. And it is Sargun and it is also Nirgun. And Nirgun means formless. When we talk about oneness or Ek Ankar or emptiness or, you know, um, Shunya, you've heard of uh, Shunya, like the infinite zero. When you reduce all of your need to be something, become something, you recognize in your zero-ness, in your emptiness, you are everything. And that understanding, that awareness, however you conceptualize it, it is beyond the beyond, it is para-para, that infinity is also Guru. And you may learn to understand that through form. And that form could be a person and it could be a teaching and it could be a piece of music and it could be a near-death experience and it could be a, a bunch of different things. And really what we're doing in this process of understanding Guru is learning who we are. That's what it's about. So can I learn to see that the Guru, the teacher, the revealer of who I am, my destiny, is in everything. It's everywhere. It's in the hard lessons and it's in the uh, blessing, easy to process, easy to digest, joyful lesson. Everywhere is Guru. It is not limited to form. It is in form. It is not only in form. It is everywhere. And some of us may learn in my own personal experience as a rebellious person who never really wanted to take advice from anyone or learn from anyone. It was like, F you, I'm going to do it my way. Learning to bow my head and create some structure in my life, not to, not because I'm supposed to, not because I have to, not because, and also not to a person who's here and living in a body where they're the exclusive one, I've learned that the hard way won't work. But what if I could bow to everyone recognizing that some part of this great revealer that I've learned about 
through the Sikh tradition, through the gurus, through the studying the Buddha, through pain and error, through addiction, all of those things, and becoming more and more aware of who I am, that awakening principle, guru, is in everybody. And then with that awareness, I can be to be. And I start to realize I was talking with a friend about this concept and, and we were really in it. We were really in the love and in the devotion. We were texting and he's in India and I'm here and we were so clear. And, and then he said, who's typing these words? It was so beautiful. And, and I just felt, it makes my hair stand up now when I realized when we were both in that flow and that love and that bob and that connection, I realized that we weren't there and we were fully there. That's emptiness. That's grace. That's Guru revealing to us who we are. And then there's one other aspect of Guru, which is uh, Shabbat Guru or the word of the Guru, or the sound of the enlightenment principle. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, like this concept of there being a knower, an inner knower or an inner guide. And it, for me it, in drinking, I had known all along, in hindsight, I can hear it fully, but I heard subtly the whole time, this is not for you. This is not the life you've been called to. And I just continued on, not listening, not listening. And then when the time came for me to turn and face that inner knower, the Shabbat Guru, the wisdom that is guiding me, that has a voice in me, the wisdom that has a voice in me, when I turned to face it, it was like, you've been there the whole time. There was no uh, uh, absence whatsoever. And so the Guru is always guiding. It's always guiding. And as we become more subtle in our practices, we, we're more committed to practicing compassion, ahimsa, loving kindness. When we are more committed to taking care of our, our bodies through yoga or exercise, martial arts, whatever it is we do, we can hear that voice of wisdom a little more clearly. When we recognize that there's a tradition that really speaks to us, whether it's a shaman tradition or earth tradition or Christian tradition, Muslim tradition, Buddhist tradition, Sikh tradition, pagan tradition, whatever it is, but the tradition is cultivating a connection to our true self, who we really are, that's allowing that capacity to love and serve increase, to create increase, to uh, deal with our problems in our families and in our communities increase. We recognize, oh wow, this is really, Guru is speaking to me through this, and so I'll continue to do it. But not because I'm, I have to or I, I'm supposed to. What I've noticed is lately what's been happening with my sadhana is I don't even set the alarm in the morning. Guru, the voice of wisdom, 
brings me out of bed because I had these experiences over the last seven months of not doing that and the pain around that and just feeling like I can't do this. And then Guru waking me up and, and revealing, you don't have to try. It just becomes clear that this is who you are and you're becoming carefree in the practice rather than careful or, you know, uh, anal. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Guru is always guiding us. And so when someone says, there's no need for a Guru, you are the Guru. Yes, in many ways, that's true. When someone says, it is only through the Guru that you'll attain liberation. That's also true. But it depends how you're looking at it. Because if I say, it is only the Guru in the way that I understand it that will lead to your liberation, that's delusion. It lacks the wisdom and insight of oneness. And so the intelligence that is everywhere at once is in you, in form. And it's everywhere. And some people who are really tuned in and listening to the Shabbat Guru, the wisdom of the inner knower, may have the capacity to help you see yourself. Just hold up the mirror. They don't become you. They can't do it for you. You know, that's my relationship with Japji Saab in the morning. I open the book and I see myself in a new light. But that wisdom that it's connecting me to or plugging me into is everywhere, it's in everything. So when we say, oh, we don't like gurus and we don't like... What we are saying is we struggle with pain and suffering. We struggle with why would somebody behave in a violent way towards others? Why would someone take advantage of people who trust them? That's painful stuff. And it is my prayer that somehow, some way we can heal that by listening to the inner knower. In fact, it is the guru that needs to do the healing, the inner wisdom, the inner knower. And some of that healing is recognizing that, as Nanak says in Japji Sahib, no one is higher, no one is lower. That everyone is attempting to describe this inner wisdom, this inner knower, and everyone, 7.7 billion people, have a different way of expressing it. And our work to be healers in this life, on this planet where we live, our work is to be able to really tune in and hear where people are coming from, where is that inner wisdom in them, because it is not lacking. It's everywhere. It is in abundance everywhere. And we learn to listen to it in ourselves. I did. Like I said, I knew drinking wasn't for me. Now, is it, an, is it effort for me not to drink alcohol? No, it's effortless. But it was once very challenging. It took 20 years of my life to stop. But now it's effortless because I'm a, I have a deeper relationship with that inner voice of wisdom. And now the work is, can I amplify and elevate that voice, bring it out in others through my presence? By listening when somebody says, 
You don't need a guru. You are the guru. I can listen and say, I know where they're coming from. Without being offended and saying, they're attacking my faith. That's the wisdom of the one. Read between the lines. See with the heart. Your inner wisdom is guiding you there. The Guru is guiding us there. It is formless, it takes form, and it is the voice of wisdom in you. And each of us has a unique relationship with that wisdom. That's Guru. It's not something to be feared. People who take advantage of you, people who hold themselves higher than you, or you lift someone higher and think that you're no good for anything, it's not about that. When you read the writings of the great sages and saints who talk about humbling yourself and being the dust on the feet of the saints and lower than the low, that's about becoming zero, becoming everything at once. But for somebody who's felt pushed down and oppressed and been told that they're no good because of their identity or they're not able to be who they are or they're treated in a violent and inappropriate manner because of their gender or whatever it might be, the wisdom for that person is about how wonderful you are, how beautiful you are, how mighty you are, how strong. It's unique to the individual to tell them that they're the dust under the feet and they're a slave to the master and that language is not going to work. It's too much emphasis on one size fits all form. The wisdom that causes all of life in the wonders of this planet to move is not limited in that way. It's about you tuning in and listening and recognizing how the teacher, the Guru, is leading you in your pain and in your suffering and in your delusion and in your confusion and in your joy and in your talents and in your Dharma and in your devotion. You are being guided. And as you become more and more aware of who you are, we can listen a little deeper beneath the surface of what appears to be and we can be to be liberated because we see our beloved is everywhere in everything and if we get too heady about it which i do should i do it this way should i not do it this way will people think this will people think that it doesn't really matter have you ever had a conversation with somebody you just recently fell deeply in love with and you find yourself in a crowded restaurant pre-COVID <laughs> and, and you're so tuned into each other that if you, when you left the restaurant and somebody asked you to describe your surroundings, you wouldn't even be able to say what the room looked like. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a loving relationship where you're making yourself so in tune with your inner guide that what is happening on the surface doesn't seem like such a big deal. And that's a process and it's going to take going through a big deal and it's going to take, Ooh, that doesn't fit and that doesn't work and that doesn't resonate. And Oh, I made that mistake and I hurt those people. It's going to take some of that. But if your commitment 
is to open your heart to the idea that everything is connected, everything is interdependent, everything is one, ek ankar, it is everywhere, and that intelligence, consciousness, awareness, love, whatever makes sense for you, is everywhere. Okay, I get that, and I'm open to that. And I'm experiencing it in form, I'm experiencing it in the love of a child, I'm experiencing it in the love of my partner, I'm experiencing it in my spiritual practice, in my yoga, in the dharma that I live, I'm experiencing it in whatever it might be. And then as I experience it, I start to go, I wonder if I could experience it in these other people in my life that are difficult to love. And there may be some form that supports that, like getting up early in the morning, taking a cold shower, reciting your prayers, whatever it might be, bowing to the book, going to the mountain, giving thanks to the sun, whatever it is, just connecting to the form so that you stay, keep open to that oneness and listening for that inner guide, the inner knower, the Shabbat Guru. It may speak to you through Guru Granth Sahib, it may speak to you uh, viscerally, it may speak to you audibly as guides or angels, or it's, it's not limited, it's unlimited, infinite. And the process of being open is being guided by the Guru, and you are going to get confused and lose your way, but you will always come back home, and that, my friends, is grace the grace of the Guru. And in a nutshell, in a very short and sweet episode of Revealing the Diamond, we've had this unique opportunity to explore Guru. Waheguru Ji Ka Khalsa, Waheguru Ji Ki Fateh. Thank you so much for being here and joining in this episode of the podcast. As I mentioned, we do the live recording on Wednesday mornings on Instagram. The video comes out on the YouTube, youtube.com backslash Tiago Singh on Thursdays. And then the audio comes out on Fridays. So you can catch it in any of those uh, areas or platforms uh, and listen in to the work we do. If you love this podcast, please share it with your friends. If you love the videos, please share them with your friends. I'm very excited to announce that Truth Seekers Union starts tonight. It's a weekly gathering in community to discuss a monthly topic. Some people have asked, am I obligated to share? You're never obligated to share. You can just come and listen. It's completely up to you. We meet at 7 p.m. over Zoom. Uh, a membership is required to join just to help support the growth of the work that we do. It's only $19 Canadian for the entry level per month and you get one hour calls every Wednesday, 7 p.m. So if that's something that you feel called to get involved in, please go to truthseekersunion.ca and get signed up, and we'll see you next week. Love you. Bless you. Sat Nam.